Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the twice-weekly podcast that will open your eyes to the kinds of insights you can use to better run your business. Come have your morning Joe with hosts Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins, who have the right recipes and ingredients to easily help you cook up a storm for even your toughest competitor. No lectures, no wasting your time telling you how smart they are, and no bullshit. The Small Business Wake-Up Call is going to make you think, laugh, and help you recognize how much money you've been leaving on the table with advice that'll help you improve your quality of life. Lonnie and Stan are small business veterans who will share their individual war stories and experiences, not only from their own businesses, but also from guiding hundreds of other small business owners in over 100 industries. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan and save yourself some headaches. Grab that second cup of joe, or maybe something a bit stronger, and let's see what's on the menu for today. Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, and here are your hosts, with cups in hand, Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins. Well, good morning. I'm Stan Simpkins, and for my partner, Lonnie Shambi, welcome to Small Business Wake-Up Call. If you've listened to the last couple dozen or so episodes that we had to date, you've heard us talk about a whole lot of things from sales and marketing systems and procedures, cash management, workforce issues, leadership, and a whole variety of topics that small businesses have to cope with all the time. But the one that really hits home and hits my hot button, and I'm sure for many employers and employees alike, is today's topic. And here's a hint from an old movie by Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding. It's called Jerry Maguire. And Cuba Gooding says to Tom Cruise, show me the money. One of the most famous phrases you hear to these people repeating today. And Lonnie does it all the time when he's telling a client his fees. Sid? Okay. One of the most challenging duties in operating a small business is establishing an effective compensation program. Everybody has to struggle with that. But it goes beyond just calculating hours and salary packages that you'll offer just to be competitive while promoting at the same time productivity, quality, timeliness, and a happy team. And Hey, happy customers even. Compensation is always an issue, both professionally and personally. Small business are large, but that challenge often pales in comparison to doing the same thing for family members who work in the business. Working alongside family members or even close personal friends, doing work you love to increase the prosperity of everyone in the family and friends can make a job a joy rather than a burden. But that pleasant image dissolves when the subject of family employee compensation comes up. It's common for many family businesses to experience significant stress when dealing with a family pay versus non-family member pay within a business. And again, although we'll often use the term family, we're also talking about any small business where there may be non-family members in the business, which is, I mean, 90% of the small businesses, 39 million of them, are known to be family-operated, two or more family members who work in the business. But as you'll see, and I'm sure you probably will recognize as we talk about them, a lot of these issues that we're relating to as family situations are very applicable to non-family, the difference being the emotional component, which is not to be underestimated. So as probably you know, a lot of family members are paid way more than a non-family member would be for the very same situation. But the truth is, from my experience in working with over 200 small businesses in over 80 industries, is that more times than not, family members are underpaid. They're actually getting less. And we'll talk about the reasons. 
for why that happens. First of all, it's not uncommon for the founders to have come from a lot less economic social status than their children do. Often, they kind of look at this as the ritual of earning the rights to be in the business by showing your sacrificial capability of working for less than you're worth. I'm sure you've seen that, Lonnie, before. Oh, God, yes. You're just a kid. You'll get there, and then you'll make some money. Well, show me how much you want to be a family business owner. Exactly. As we've touched on in previous podcasts, when underpaying becomes a long-time proposition, it can be a death knell to any business, family or privately owned, and even when it's prosperous. Why? Because when taken to the extreme, it can send exactly the wrong message to employees and family members, especially when the actual success of the business is unknown to both of them. Sometimes the reason for the secrecy is to avoid paying more to non-family employees. I've seen family members go to work for competitors or change careers because of situations like this. Of course, we all know that the money was probably not the only reason, but underpaying didn't help the issue. It's just often the straw that broke the camel's back and no different for non-family employees. Oh, you have a story about that. Maybe you're telling about oh, the two brothers. God. How about sharing that woman? I think they're going to really Sure. I had a client morning. who was equally owned by two brothers who ran an environmental services firm for more than 20 years, but ended up not speaking to each other except on high-level business matters for nearly five years. In fact, one of the brothers was based in the East, the other in the West. And the whole basis for the lack of communication, one brother was taking about 20% more out of the business than the other. The rationale was he was bringing in all the business that the other brother had to implement. They finally got introduced to a colleague of mine who is a psychologist and works with both businesses and individuals. Yes, a shrink for businesses. After working with them for several months, he referred them to Mead to help them move the business forward. In talking to both of them, the underpaid brother said he would go no further under the current comp plan. Even though they'd worked out their personal issues, it was a huge hurdle. One of the first things we had to do was to get their comp on an equal level. We evened out their salaries and put a note together where over the next several years, the second brother could get back all of the money that the first brother had earned, so they would be equivalent over the next couple of years. Then we could develop and implement a plan that included bringing in a couple of professional managers. They had no other family members to succeed them. Then we put together for them, with an accountant, an ESOP, an employee stock ownership plan. They're midway through a five-year plan where they will sell the business to these new managers and the employees, But none of this could have happened until we fixed the comp issues. And Lonnie, you know, you talk about culture. You get a two or three or four generation company and you ask them, so how come you guys are still either underpaying or overpaying, whatever the situation might be in an extreme? And of course, the answer is, well, that's the way we were raised. (laughs) And they just carry on the tradition. It's kind of like your way of having skin in the game. And that's the way they feel. Or how about like it's in lieu of the inheritance that you're going to get later, or maybe to reduce the price that you're going to buy me out at later because I kind of cut your salary in the beginning. It's like a prepayment plan. 
Exactly. We have your stock on a layaway plan is what we've got. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't getting paid like you when I was coming uh, up. It's unbelievable. How much of that is there? And by the way, there's some merit to some of these things. There are reasons when maybe you might have someone, at least on the books, getting paid less than they might in a comparable situation. But if that wasn't enough to complicate it, how about these issues? How about the lifelong personal histories between members and the interactions between them? And how about the simmering and oftentimes hidden resentments? And that's a biggie for sure. Conflicting personalities. In fact, we have a seminar. One of our episodes is going to be on personalities, if I recall. And also the intense emotions and the frayed relationships. This perfectly represents the kind of client situation I've been through. If that's not enough, how about the occasional bitter jealousies? Like that doesn't exist. And that's not just between siblings. These coupled with the compensation package issues can be enough to just tear a family apart. But the saga doesn't end there. Family compensation also affects non-family employees. They may resent the higher salary given to family members who consistently seem to not be pulling his or her weight. It can be hard to recruit and retain non-family talent when family members receive more than non-family employees doing the same job. A case in point is a common occurrence in small businesses. When companies establish substandard comp programs, it can be what I call the immovable object or the checkmate syndrome. Namely, the company can't attract top talent even when they see it because their compensation program, which is actually an accident waiting to happen, puts them in a mindset that says, we can't pay any more than we make or take. Or when that superstar comes along, the owners don't know how to deal with the fact that a current employee in a similar position, often with long tenure, would be making less than the superstar. And I'm not talking about sales positions where commissions would justify the differences in earned comp, but operations people, et cetera, who are just more experienced, have a broader base of experience. So, Lyons, I hear you saying that when the family members are overcompensated, I mean, not nickels and dimes, it's all about significant. People making three, dollars $400,000 when they wouldn't make $75,000 on the open market, you go, it causes resentment. Well, that implies that somehow the employees know what the family members are making. That doesn't sound to be realistic, does it? Hey, <laughs> you and I know. Oh, God. The biggest lie is that employees don't know what other people are making. No, they, they know what each other making. Know. They definitely know what the kids are making. I mean, sometimes it's so obvious the kids' lifestyles. Even the kids that are not that great at counting, the employees can tell when that's the case. So there's no real secrets, especially when they look like they've just robbed the bank <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're gloating about. And of course, then you have people who just have a big mouth. It's not an issue. So it's just something. I remember I had a client that was in a recapping business and they had a double whammy situation. They had two sons. One was a finance and administration guy, the other, and he did a great job, by the way. And then the other son who was in charge of sales and marketing, he did a great job. In fact, he even managed the counter staff. And as I said before, these kids, they started with mom and dad in high school, and they worked their way up. And that's kind of when most family members are underpaid. And they grew up as modest living, middle-class children, and continued that style in their 40s. And then one day, dad came across his dream child, that person who's going to head up the company as VP operations because the kids aren't ready yet, quote, yet they're doing a great job. I don't motivate. They had all the elements. In fact, off the record, when we finally did a profile and actually got to see him, any one of them could have been that person. But that never even dawned on dad's mind 
He just thought that was like, well, that's what we do to get to the next level. We might be going public someday. And they hired a guy with a really sexy resume and great credentials in college, okay? And way overpay that guy. And when the kids found that out, they go, whoa, stop the music before you hire this guy. Because they're going like, why didn't we get a shot? And the father was, he's like taken back. He's like, what's the matter with it? He was like, what did I do wrong? And it never occurred to him. Like, why did you even think about it? So that's another issue. His solution was right in front of him. Well, worse than that, they really weren't pissed off about, quote, the money. No. It was that they never even got the recognition. Yeah, it was the lack of respect. And that's the case. I'll save the story and tell you we resolved it, I might add, including the spouse, okay, who was also on top of that issue. It's always sometimes good to have another board member, right? And we resolve it, but simple things like that. Sometimes we just don't look at the ways in which we can earn and give respect. Yes. A well-defined and clearly communicated compensation strategy is essential to the harmony of the business environment. The family business needs a long-range, sensible strategy for compensating family members. And parenthetically, any small business needs that. But there's some special things involved with family businesses. Let's take a look at some key points and think about when developing this strategy. The comp strategy is created with input from family employees, non-working family members, and key non-family employees, especially in privately owned companies. If they create the plan, they own it. That's the important thing. It's based primarily on what's good for the business. It includes job descriptions, laying out duties, skills, responsibilities of all the positions, prescribes salaries based on market rates for similar positions in similar companies. And then it calls for systematic performance evaluations, including family employees. Now, this is important. I had a client on this one, it's performance evaluations. When done like this, kind of hurt. I had a client that was a husband and wife team. The husband ran sales and marketing, and the wife was a CEO. Unbeknownst to the wife, he was having his way with one of his salespeople. It was not a well-kept secret, but maybe she didn't want to upset the apple cart. A lot of unseemly issues coming out. But when the salesperson simply stopped selling and continued to get advances on commissions, so obviously she was not getting evaluated very well, it finally hit the no, wife's actually, CEO. He thought she was doing a great job. But that was the wrong job. (laughs) Wrong job. That's correct. (laughs) Keeping her husband happy. Yes. Long and short of it, she fired the salesperson, divorced the husband, and ultimately sold the company for probably 50% of what she could have gotten 18 months prior, which is about how long the affair went on. Okay. And so that's one of the things that is going to be important about any comp plan. Stan will talk about some common errors in comp plans, but first, a couple of words we'd like to share. As a small business owner, you face many challenges. You're not alone. What can be even more stressful is not having someone to talk to who doesn't have their own agenda. What if you could talk in depth and confidentially to other small business owners like you on a periodic basis, folks facing the same challenges or who have solved the same problems? The Small Business Virtual Roundtables is the answer for you. Small Business Virtual Roundtables are held monthly for 90 minutes. Membership in each roundtable is limited to 15 people 
providing ample time for each member to have their issue addressed by their fellow members. These peer advisory groups were formed to avoid competitive concerns while taking into consideration company size and characteristics that closely match your own business. Need more attention? There is a complimentary 30-minute one-on-one session with the facilitators during the month to seek additional feedback. Monthly membership fees to the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are less than the cost of an hour with your attorney, and this is all done without ever leaving your office or home. Just the time savings of avoiding needless driving is worth the cost. New groups of the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are now being formed on a first-come, first-served basis. Ready to sign up? Head to sbvirtualroundtables.com to receive a complimentary invitation to attend up to three meetings. Again, that's sbvirtualroundtables.com. With Small Business Virtual Roundtables, there's no need to go it alone. And now, back to Lonnie and Stan. As Lonnie said, what we're saying is not just family-operated business, but any business. An effective compensation strategy really has to have specificity. It must address the family members and how they're going to be paid. Ooh, big word. Woo. Oh, yeah. You like that? <laughs> big word. Specificity. And by the way, that ties in to the importance of having the job description. <sighs> really big. Okay? Oh, my. Because everyone thinks it's like intuitive. <laughs> or worse than that, what happens, Lonnie, is the family business owners and members, I should say, start getting taken for granted and they start adopting more duties and more duties before what they're doing doesn't even match the job description in many cases. Exactly. And so the key here is to base the conversation based upon the business needs. And if you've been a listener in a previous podcast, you might be recall a story I had told you about a construction company doing about 30 million, two brothers, where the older brother and the younger brother ultimately dissolved the company because they couldn't get past the one brother's unwillingness to increase the compensation the other who was more than justified in getting the raise because the one brother said, you'll never be more equal than me, which raises to the next thing that you may have heard before, which is equal doesn't necessarily mean equitable. Two different exactly. words. So think about that. We want an equitable compensation plan. Now, there are times for maybe tax planning or other reasons, estate planning, that you might do that. But that's usually for a clear, defined purpose. But more than not, it's not. It just happens to be. In some cases, it's because somehow they look at this as a way of carrying on their parental responsibility to make sure their kids are, quote, doing okay. Or one kid says, geez, my spouse wants me to build a bigger house. I don't have the money. A whole bit. And (laughs) we know where that story goes, okay? Yes. So your company... Retained earnings is not the piggy bank. (laughs) No. It's important that any completed comp strategy that you develop gets shared with family members who work in the company and even those family members who don't, but they have ownership. Non-family members get then reassured that their comp's not going to be reduced due to inflated pay to family members. And family employees will be reassured that they're earning their keep, which is important. If they want to work outside the family firm, they should be able to command a similar wage because they're worth it, not because of their family ties. And another benefit is that family employees will be motivated to maintain and improve productivity because their earnings depend on it. Tying their earnings to productivity and profits, very important. 
Yeah, and sure, there are going to be family members who, when they're the underperformers, that's generally the case, might leave if you cut their pay. So what they'd actually make, they'd probably make less elsewhere. And they learn that when they leave and try to apply for jobs. So they actually get lulled into thinking they're worth what they've been getting. That's a big exactly. awakening for them. The key point is a fair compensation strategy for family businesses especially and a fair employment policy, how you get admitted and how you get exited, is going to help reduce infighting, especially during the succession planning event and improving the profit quality and the sales price, by the way, of the business should ever come to that. And of course, the same factors that make a family employment policy and long-term compensation strategy are so important for family members who also make it hard for the family executives to design and implement. It's not an easy task. I had a family business with a car rental agency, two sisters and a brother, and one sister didn't work in the business, the other sister did, and she was a pretty self-sustaining and could handle the younger brother. But then a new thing happened when the one sister who didn't work in the business got married and put her husband in the business called the brother-in-law. My head's spinning here. You can't tell the players without a program in this business. Well, the good news is the brother-in-law was a hell of a guy and did a great operational job. The bad news is the younger brother kind of didn't like that. <laughs> you think as a shareholder, you'd be thrilled. Well, I guess it, from an economic standpoint, he might have, but you didn't tell it by the dynamics between them. I'm talking about six figures worth of excess payments in salary. Wow. So because they all were taking equal salaries because a tax planning thing. Well, the long and short of it is it didn't take long before the fire broke out and it was having a great impact on the business. A lot of conflict. And I was brought in. In a short and sweet as we eventually bought out the brother because frankly, we didn't need him. Now that was a whole contortion that's the subject of a show on tv i think reality show <laughs> that was a real you'd love that story so i'll just save in the interest of time and just tell you we did it but it took a lot of creativity and a lot of patience and maybe a, a little acting at times but we did it but there's an example how compensation can create a fire that was never going to be lit to begin with yes it should have been there to start with here's where you get to hear the plug for all our fellow consultants and other professional advisors Many family businesses find that an objective, informed, and experienced outside advisor can help to guide this process. If your family business is contemplating changing how family members are compensated, you might not only want to refer to industry standard sources that are published, etc., but also consider speaking with non-competing members within your trade association. Okay, as well, we find that members of our roundtable groups are valuable resources to each other in the same general industry or geography. In fact, it's only one of the many topics these members discuss with confidence of non-judgment and confidentiality. Stan, I remember an attendee at one of our roundtable meetings who shared his experience of having a family member, not a sibling, who he'd hired five years earlier as an operations manager. And during that time, when he felt really overwhelmed, not only was she overpaid, but we helped him realize that she wasn't even necessary. Without going into detail about her personally or her performance, let's just say it was enough to turn off many employees. Always often the worst kept secret, yet she had whipped the client into believing she was irreplaceable and he just couldn't pull the plug. Well, not until the members of the roundtable got his attention. 
But the reality was she was way overpaid for her actual performance. And no, they didn't have a intimate relationship. At least we don't think so. Well, you know, Lonnie, it's mentioned, you mentioned trade associations, reserves. I can't tell you how many clients I've had and they're asking me questions that I think they should know the answer to better than I would because it's unique to their industry. And I go, well, you belong to a trade association? Oh, yeah. Well, have you talked to anybody? I go, huh? <laughs> and they're paying a lot of dues and they could have made a phone call. In fact, one of the associations that's one of our virtual roundtable group sponsors is a construction group. It's over 550 companies. And they're a great resource to each other. And by the way, their executive director who's been here four years is an incredible, he's like better than going to the library for an answer. He's better than Google <laughs> when it comes to subjects like this because he's talking to the 550 members and he can tell exactly. you without mentioning names. So there's so many untapped resources out there that people just aren't using. It's just something that you think. And you know how I knew that the roundtables really were valuable? When our sponsors, large law firm, large CPA firm, and they come and they air their issues on the table. Talk about trusting other people. And they're learning things. I go, well, if they can learn something from the members, imagine what the members can learn from members. These are professionals who've got tons of clients they could be throwing things at and getting feedback. So if there's ever a topic about which we could talk about a ton of war stories, this would be it. Definitely is it. And so with that, I'd like to maybe share some thoughts that might be helped. So working with family members, as you know, it presents a ton of challenges, which is already there. And namely, creating a meaningful, fair, member equitable, and equally mutually satisfying compensation structure. That's what today is. We're asking you to take a look at your so-called structured compensation plan and see, does it meet these standards? When's the last time you looked at that? Think about it. When's the last time you looked at that? And a lot of times we hear about other symptoms that the owner sees when the reality is it's related to their compensation package. Things like drama, turnover, competitive differentiation, just to name a few. Because everyone's saying, oh yeah, my competitions are adding another buck or so an hour and we can't compete. Listen, sometimes that's just a reflection of other issues. And when it comes to succession planning, compensation programs and strategies are just important as titles, and operational roles. And siblings or family members that work in the business, a lot of times just there's lingering issues that create conflict that go back to childhood. Oh, yeah. Can, can you say Freud? Yes. <laughs> so when you add compensation issues to that equation, it's sometimes just enough to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. we got to develop a compensation strategy. This isn't something you do when you are halfway into the choir, it should be probably the day before you even started the company because that's going to help you in terms of the attracting of the people. What are you going to say in the interviews? What do you do when you're going to make a job offer now, not yesterday? And also, please remember, the compensation is more than just dollars transferred from employer to employee. We talked about that need for respect as much as the income. Absolutely. So that. That's really the big deal. So Lonnie, why don't you wrap it up for us? Your point here, I'll just kind of tie these together. Even though Cuba Gooding said, show me the money to Tom Cruise, as Stan mentioned earlier, he probably was also saying, show me the respect. That's also one of the things a well-designed compensation plan should do. With that said, Stan, I want to extend our thanks to all of you for spending your time with us. If you're a new listener, please subscribe at www.com sbvirtualroundtables.com. If you have questions, 
and want to suggest a topic or even share your war stories, send us a note at info at sbvirtualroundtables.com. As well as feel free to request a guest invitation to one of our virtual roundtables where you can learn from other seasoned veterans who have experienced this process. Hey, and come take a test drive. Hey, see where it could take you and your business. Hey, and we'll allow you three complimentary visits as our guest so you can be confident it's a mutual fit. And we promise you'll feel just like one of the family sooner than you might expect. So for Lonnie and myself, have a great day. You've been listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the podcast providing eye-opening insights and perhaps a caffeine high to better run your business. Delivered in Stan Simpkins and Lonnie Shambi's own unique style. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan, subscribe to the show, find more resources, and check out their monthly 90-minute virtual roundtables. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call. 